You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Kathy Wood, the founder of ARK Invest. Kathy, great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us. Um, you know, you are also involved in, you've got your own filing for uh, a physical, physically backed Bitcoin ETF. Um, do you think that the excitement there has driven up prices across crypto? I mean, today is a down day, but we're still looking at $29,000 for Bitcoin. Uh, yes, I do think uh, that the, in June, when BlackRock uh, announced its filing, or when it was announced that uh, BlackRock had filed for Bitcoin ETF, uh, the Bitcoin price did shoot up, uh, and but has been fairly stable since then. Uh, so I, I do think it's had an impact. A, a bigger impact this year was the regional bank crisis. It was very interesting to watch Bitcoin uh, go from 19000 to 30000 right in the middle of that banking crisis as uh, regional banks were going bankrupt. So it was a flight to safety. So uh, I thought that move was just as interesting. Hang on, a flight to safety? Is buying Bitcoin somehow a flight to safety? Isn't it a little too volatile for that? Well, if you think about it, uh, uh, Bitcoin serves as uh, two kinds of hedges. One is a hedge against inflation and outright confiscation of wealth. The other is against counterparty risk. And, uh, you know, when the regional banks started uh, going down, this fear sort of, uh, uh, you know, memory, uh, our memories are fresh with 0809, the counterparty risk uh, became real. And so there was this flight into Bitcoin, a completely decentralized, transparent uh, network, which is not subject to counterparty risk. Uh, Kathy, so you are in this race. Let's talk about the race a little bit. The first important deadline coming up is August 13th, where the ARC filing, the SEC is either going to delay it, which we think they'll probably delay it, um, and then BlackRock is later. You filed before BlackRock, but BlackRock came in with the surveillance sharing agreement with Coinbase. That was novel, right? Now, we're looking in the future. There's talk of a common clock where the SEC could approve a bunch of ETFs at once, putting you on a level playing field with BlackRock and others. What's your take on how this will play out, given you filed earlier? I, I think you're probably right that uh, August 13th will come and go. And uh, uh, I think uh, I think the SEC, if it's going to approve a Bitcoin ETF, will approve more than one uh, at, at once. Uh, 
so then, uh, again, because most of these essentially will be the same, and it will come down to marketing, communicating the message. You know, we've been putting out our uh, Bitcoin monthly for the for the last uh, year. Uh, we are now starting a Bitcoin um, brainstorming session. Uh, our first one we launched last Thursday. Uh, so we're trying to get the word out there that, uh, you know, our research is deep and we've been doing it since 2015 when we gained our first exposure to GBTC. Mm-hmm. We were the first public asset manager to gain uh, exposure to Bitcoin at all in 2015. That's exactly where I want to go. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, known by its ticker, GBTC. If you look at ARCW, for example, your ARC Next Generation Internet ETF, right now I see GBTC as the third largest holding. If we are in a situation where the SEC does give its blessing for a spot Bitcoin ETF, would you plan to sell out of GBTC and buy one of these physically backed funds? Um, I cannot talk about what we would and would not do. And in fact, uh, uh, our compliance team is, uh, um, you know, giving us marching orders not to talk very much about this filing and uh, its aftermath at all. So just the fact that we filed with our partner 21 shares is is as far as as I can go. Fair I'm sorry, enough. Katie. Fair enough. No, <laughs> I was expecting something along those lines. Uh, I am curious to get your take on the regulatory temperature right now, because in addition to this rush of spot Bitcoin ETF filings that we've seen, there's also been sort of a race that's unfolding for an Ether futures ETF. There's been a ton of filings to that effect and not specific to those funds. But do you sense that the moon music around the SEC and what their appetite to allow these products to launch has changed in the last several months? Well, I think that uh, that the two other branches of government, the judicial branch and the legislative branch, uh, are are giving uh, the SEC pause uh, because the SEC is losing cases in court having to do with its regulations uh, around crypto. That's the first thing. And there are bills that are making their way through the House uh, and are seeing some bipartisan support. Uh, so I do believe that uh, Gary Gensler, I guess last week or 10 days ago, said something like, well, you know, I'm not the only one who makes this decision. There are five commissioners. Now, of course, we know they're weighted uh, towards uh, the Democrats, three Democrats, two Republicans. And so one assumes that uh, uh, the way that Gary votes is the way the the FCC will vote. But he seemed to be distancing himself a little bit. And so maybe we can take that as a bit of a clue. Uh, we definitely did. We thought that was a, a good sign, but you know we're reading all kinds of tea leaves in this. Um, <laughs> let me ask you about Coinbase because you have increased your position in Coinbase. It's also who your surveillance sharing agreement is with. Also, how much is it, how important is it that Coinbase is a bridge or compliant enough for the SEC in terms of working with traditional finance? Is your bullishness on this stock that they are going to be sort of the traditional finance bridge or is it other, you know, you think people are going to continue trading crypto on Coinbase? No, absolutely. Well, both. 
we uh, we think that it is the most regulatory compliant exchange uh, out there, uh, and uh, we've been very pleased with how its um, derivatives exchange in Bermuda has ramped in here. It's very early days, but again, clearly a trusted partner, uh, and uh, and we are also seeing that there's more turmoil out there. I guess. Uh, Hubei, I think that's how you say the name of the exchange, uh, and uh, Tether and uh, Binance. There are still there are rumblings out there that not as all all is well, uh, and so uh, Coin Coinbase is going to be the flight to safety exchange, no doubt about it. And do you think the surveillance agreements with Coinbase are going to be? enough um, to deal with things like price manipulation in this market? I mean, that's been one of the main concerns from the SEC lawyers with, with whom we've spoken. Well, what I find so interesting still, and this is uh, why we believe that uh, the SEC will lose the grayscale case, how can you approve a Bitcoin futures ETF and, and not a Bitcoin ETF? Uh, and, and in fact, if you're really thinking about consumer protection, uh, a, a futures ETF is swap space. So there's counterparty risk there that you would not have with a Bitcoin ETF, which is backed one to one with uh, Bitcoin in Coinbase's cold storage. Uh, it still confounds me. Not to mention the point that Eric makes, which is that if there had been an ETF, a lot of people wouldn't have bought Bitcoin at FTX uh, and instead would use that vehicle. Kathy, we're going to keep you with us. I'm really glad we have you for the whole half hour. Kathy Wood, the CEO and CIO of ARK Invest, will be right back with us on ETF IQ. This is Bloomberg. There's much oil to be found in the lower 48 at this point, or even in, let's say, Alaska as well, or mostly we know where all the oil is, and uh, there's no more big Permian Basin kind of uh, deposits anywhere. People have said that over time, and then we've always been surprised. And so uh, the U.S. has been explored more than any other other place in the world. I think the industry has a good idea. Uh, but technology allows you sometimes to recover things that you, you haven't been able to before. That's the story of shale. Uh, the other one that continues to be a positive story is uh, Deepwater Gulf of Mexico, where we'll go out and drill in um, a mile or more of water depth and then go down several more miles and find uh, large, large fields. And the, the Gulf of Mexico is still relatively underexplored compared to the onshore. So I think there's still room for for more discoveries.
Welcome back to Bloomberg ETF IQ. I'm Katie Greifeld. Let's get back now to ARK Invest CEO and CIO Kathy Wood. Kathy, it's great to have you here already, more so because we got some interesting news out of Tesla this morning. Of course, Tesla being one of your biggest holdings for a long time. Uh, that news being that Tesla CFO Zachary Kirkhorn is stepping down after more than 13 years at Tesla. Curious to hear your reaction given how long you've been involved in the stock, how long he's been there. Does this give you any pause? Uh, well, we loved Zach and love Zach and, and think he will do very well uh, wherever he goes. I, I, uh, I know there are rumors out that there are some CEO positions out there, which um, uh, he might like to take. So um, we will miss him. Uh, but his successor has been with Tesla right underneath him uh, since 2018. So he was put through the fires. Remember in 2018-19, many, uh, many analysts were saying, uh, that Tesla was going bankrupt. And so he's been there, he's gone through the fire, and, uh, you know, it's a tough job. It's a tough, tough job. So I, uh, I guess 13 years was uh, a really good run for Zach, and can't say enough good things about him and what he did for Tesla. Do but you, I think he trained his successor well. That's uh, great to hear. Do you... Um expect Tesla to build 2 million vehicles this year. I think it's incredible how they've grown production and it looks like they can do that. Um, what are your expectations for their growth from here on out? Well, as you know, we have a five-year investment time horizon and and we do think this cycle for autos is going to get tougher in here generally. Uh, but we think just like last year when electric vehicles were up 69% or 65%, something like that, and gas-powered vehicles down 7% globally, we think we're going to continue to see that share shift accelerate because uh, electric vehicle prices are going to follow the co their costs down in a way that gas-powered costs cannot. So we think that electric vehicles will be less expensive and they are better cars than uh, gas powered vehicles. Uh, so we think they're going to take tremendous share. And uh, even if the auto market uh, relapses in here, which we think it could, uh, we don't think electric vehicles will, will relapse. So we think the 1.8 million for this year, which was Elon said 1.8 to 2 million, they're going to have some shutdown in the third quarter for maintenance and upgrades uh, and so he lowered uh, he lowered his expectation to the lower end of that range mm. I think he likes to lower expectations and then beat so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher than that success is more than a destination it's a path you take one step at a time it's dedication it's fortitude and it's the work passion and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition that's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. 
Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, BNF, Bloomberg New Economy Forum, has voiced concerns about the availability of, um, you know, cobalt and lithium. And is there enough to continue making electric cars for the masses as some producers like GM are building, you know, massive 200 kilowatt batteries for their trucks? Is that a concern for you at all? Do you think Tesla has the uh, production locked in? Well, I know very early on they, they said to their suppliers, you know, if if you will build it, we will buy it. So, yes, they've been in a preferred position and probably still are. Uh, they're also very smart. Tesla's engineers are very smart. They are engineering cobalt out of the cars. Uh, they're doing it for a few reasons. The supply is uncertain and it's very focused in, um, I guess, the Congo, uh, where there are a lot of... Uh, uh, environmental and governance and social concerns. So they're engineering it out uh, and they're moving into uh, and you should say uh, on lithium uh, actually if you look at the price it went up tenfold in two years and now it's down uh, about 40% from that peak. I think uh, lithium is one of the most pervasive uh, minerals out there. So uh, we don't think uh, lithium is an issue at all, especially now that uh, the Chinese and the uh, Koreans and all of the U.S. OEMs uh, are, are basically telling lithium miners just, uh, just build it and, and we will take it. Uh, so and then the other interesting thing is, again, this is Tesla leading the charge, so to speak, in this category, um, lithium iron phosphate. So uh, uh, taking out the nickel and other metals that may end up in short supply, especially if we get into very strong cycles and uh, the uh, lithium ion iron phosphate is a much lower priced or will lead to a much lower priced car as well. Uh, Kathy, real quick, I wanted to get in uh, the superconductor. This is something that's been, and our team's getting obsessed about. You are an innovation fund. <laughs> I'm guessing you're looking at this. How much of this is hype and hope versus a potential legit reality, and how do you play it? Well, it was interesting. When we, when the news broke uh, a little more than a week ago, uh, many people just thought it was a fraud. Uh, but uh, our uh, chief futurist, uh, Brett Winton, said, wait a minute. This is not a fraud. It can't be a fraud because it's so simple. You you uh, can uh, buy from uh, you can buy uh, um, uh, you can buy phosphorus, copper, and there was one other uh, ingredient there. And you could actually follow their instructions and duplicate this. We're going to find out pretty quickly. And, and what it does seem is that. Um, it is possible. So we went from thinking Friday a week ago, 
oh, maybe 10, 15% chance to now, while the markets, the betting markets are at 40%, I think we are more in the 60% plus range. So, uh, and, you know, it, it could, uh, it could be the breakthrough we need for quantum computing, or at least bringing it uh, into reality uh, from a commercialization point of view sooner than expected, mm-hmm. or, uh, uh, or uh, the uh, high-speed trains, um, uh, it, it could change so many things, and, and, and particularly our electric system where, you know, we lose so much heat and data centers where we lose so much energy um, mm-hmm. because of the inefficiencies associated with uh, current electricity. All right, Kathy, we got to take a break, but you're sticking with us, and I think we're going to go to Florida next, so stay tuned. This is ETFIQ on Bloomberg. Okay, so you're moving in on me quick, distracting me with your fancy hands. (laughs) I'm going to deal with your knight because it's really bothering me. Ah, my knights. Yeah, he's a troublemaker. Yeah. What did you get up to this weekend? Uh, You know, just robot stuff, a lot of chess. I was practicing for, uh, for you. I know you're pretty good. Ooh, I don't like that. I will take this, uh, put it over here. Not cool, not cool. All right, I will, I will concede. I can see, ah. you got me beat. <laughs> Very good game, well played. Thank you, sir, thank you. of global finance, economics, and politics, and wherever newsmakers are moving markets. Bloomberg brings you conversations that allow for deep discussions and important insights. How has that shaped your strategy for the bank? Is this a new normal? Is this like a catalyst? Do you think we're in a new phase for dividend policy overall? That's a great question. I'm Francine Lacroix, and this is The Pulse, every weekday at 9 a.m., only on Bloomberg. On the David Rubenstein Show, peer-to-peer conversations, I uncover the untold stories of the world's most successful leaders. Watch Wednesdays on Bloomberg Television. Why do the biggest names in business choose Bloomberg? That is a great question. It's a great question. Great question. Great question. Best question I get all night. Bloomberg. Top experts. Great questions. Let's get back to our conversation now with Kathy Wood. And Kathy, I promised Florida, but I actually want to start in China and get your current views on what the stock market there looks like. Because a few years ago you were out, then I think you came back a little bit in JD.com. What's your current thinking around the equity market in China and what opportunities are there or not? Um, well, we're, we're, we're maintaining our position, really. Um, Uh, Common prosperity uh, suggests that the government is aiming uh, for for companies not to be too profitable, but to uh, really help the country to expand and uh, make the lives of everyone 
better, which is noble. That's what we all want as to, you know, shrink the divide between uh, the rich and the poor. Um, we are focused on a few things there. Uh, we're focused on the fact that uh, China is exporting deflation. It's PPI down for 5.4%. Uh, and it is one reason that we think that the world is going to face uh, more of a deflationary uh, period here than I think most people think. It's also very interesting to watch the yuan. I think the, the government would be stimulating more aggressively if the yen were a little stronger. And it has been weakening, uh, and they're very careful about their currency. So I don't think they're going to be able to stimulate as much as many people might like or expect uh, because the yuan is showing some fundamental weakness here. Um, and you know what's so interesting about that? Sorry, just want an exclamation point here. The fact that they're exporting deflation uh, and their uh, the yuan is down. That's that's a double whammy. That is that from from uh, uh, from China's point of view. You know the fact to see deflation as their currency is down. Normally, when a currency is down, you see inflation. So, Kathy, um, we, we know you moved to Florida from New York City. I believe you were in the Chelsea neighborhood. I visited your office way back in the day. Yes. Um, you're yeah. now down in Florida. A lot of asset managers, a lot of people who watch Bloomberg TV are considering moves like this. How has it changed your investing process, if at all, being there? Are there pros and cons to being in Florida versus in New York City? Um, I guess the the... The bit, there's, for us, no change in our investment process. Uh, COVID told us we could work remotely, and so we have a hybrid setup. Uh, but we do have rotations of all of the teams through St. Petersburg, Florida, and uh, even more so during the winter, I might add. Uh, so uh, that's working out. Uh, but, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's been a wonderful place for us, and uh, it's great to have everyone come together, either in various teams or all together, uh, like reunions. So uh, it's working pretty well for us. Uh, we only have a few seconds left, so I'll just ask a short uh, question. Elon Musk and uh, Zuckerberg may have a cage match fight. Do you have? Uh, do you take a side in that in that fight? Do you do you think <laughs> Musk is up to the task? I. Whenever he puts his mind to something, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against him. That's what I'll say. But I did read this morning that he's saying that, or tweeting that he has to uh, probably go for a back operation first uh, for something to having to do with uh, uh, his discs. So uh, I, would, uh, I would hope that he would wait until he's completely uh, on the mend. <laughs> All right. Kathy, great to spend some time with you. That is ARC Invest CEO and CIO. Kathy Wood. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Kohler at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com slash build. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.